Today, uh, we proclaim this good news, that though sin has stained our relationships and made us suspicious and fearful of one another so that we manipulate and use each other, it is not good for us to be alone. Those are all ways for us to be alone. But it's not good for us to be alone. We were made for co-creation. We were made for communion with each other and with God. We were made to feel no shame as we talk with each other, as we face one another, as we look at each other. And in Christ, we're recreated as the church into one body, welcoming and receiving one another, honoring and lifting each other up, working together, male and female, married and single, one body in Christ. That's our good news. Amen? Okay. All right. So uh, I drove up to Purdue yesterday with my family to see Raina, our daughter, who is 18 and in her freshman year. Um, it was really nice. She called and wanted to see us, which is like, you know, as a parent, I'm like, oh, you, you like me? That's okay. <laughs> That's, that's nice. So, uh, so she wanted to see us, and she wanted to see. And the caveat, the asterisk was, and bring the dog, because that, that's. You know, so my suspicion is she really wanted to see the dog, um, which our dog is kind of the rock star wherever she goes. She's super cute. If you're a dog person, you love our dog. If you're not a dog person, well, you don't love any dog. So you know. So anyway, but um, that uh, that was the situation. She she wanted to see us, and um, but which is wonderful, but at the same time. Uh, I've got this sermon that I'm preaching now to write. I mean, it's, it's, for me, guys, it's never quite finished until about 15 minutes before I need to get in the shower Sunday morning to leave to go to church. Uh, true story. Uh, so it's never, quite, it's never quite finished. So I've got, as we're driving up there, I've got in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't like, I need to get back. I need to, I've got something else to be doing. I've got this, this task list. There's a few other things on my task list. That, um, that just kept going through my mind, you know? And so we get up there, and we, we text Raina, and we say, hey, we're here, and she comes down and gets us, and we go up to her dorm room. You know, it's like five of us, you know, hanging out in this, you know, minuscule dorm room. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but, you know, all of our friends, friends are stopping by to see the dog. Can I see the dog? I heard a, I heard a dog, you know, and everybody's excited. So we, we're all staying there, and then it's getting, I'm getting a little hungry. It's getting to like 5 o'clock. And I'm thinking, like, the sermon, I still need to think about the sermon. So I'm like, maybe we should go, maybe we should, I found a good place to eat. This seems like it'll be a good, you know, place for us to, should we get going? Should we get out the door? And, uh, you know, and Raina's like, well, I gotta finish my tea. I'm like, well, you gotta, we gotta, right? And so, so it's like, you gotta finish your tea. Like, what, like, how much does a tea bag cost? Like, how much, you know, like, uh, I gotta finish my sermon. We gotta get going here. There's, some, there's stuff to do. We should get going. So finally, we get out the door, and it's like, hey, we were gonna stop for, let's stop for coffee. You know, on the way, and, and they just had this Purdue football game, and everybody's kind of celebrating because I guess it's the first game they won all season, and so, the, like, the campus is just, like, people are everywhere on this campus, and rowdy, and shouting, and all this kind of stuff, and so I, you know, we walk past, we get up to the coffee shop, and I see there's a line out the door, and I'm like, no, we're not getting it, it's 530, there's probably a line at the restaurant, we're skipping coffee, let's go, we're going to the restaurant, we're going straight to the restaurant, so we walk down to the restaurant, and uh, we wait, I don't know how, 45 minutes, you know, so we're sitting there on these benches, and it's a, I mean, it's, we're having a great time, you know, there's connection happening, there's communion happening, right, we're talking with one another, we're laughing with each other, but always, guys, in the back of my mind is like, I got to get home, I got to work on my sermon, I got, this thing isn't finished, there are tasks to be done, things to do, 
We got things to do. Um, but you know, nothing I can do about it. We gotta wait. We gotta wait. We gotta eat. So we gotta wait. We gotta, you know, so we're sitting there waiting, and we finally get our food. We finally get a table, um, and then you know, it takes a you know a little bit of time for the food to get there, and then we we you know we eat our we eat our food, and then we're walking back. And so I'm thinking, okay, great. Like you know, it's like by this time it's like maybe seven, seven o'clock. Okay, I'm starting to calculate when can we get back. We'll probably get back by eight, and that would probably be fine. And we get so we start walking back. And Raina says, hey, you know what we should do? We should stop by Vaughn's, the used bookstore. She said, that place is awesome. And it truly is. If you've never been there, it's a really cool store. And so, you know, I'm thinking, uh, how long is this going to take? We've got to get back. I've got to work on my sermon. So we decide to go in, and um, it's actually really cool, and we're kind of laughing about the things that we're seeing. And, you know, there's communion, there's connection. There's nice things happening, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, we got to get moving. And so we finally get out of the bookstore, and, um, and then we, and we find that coffee shop, right, that we originally passed on the way, and we're like, hey, we should, now we should stop for coffee, right? We should stop for coffee. And so we're, I'm like, ah, all right, all right, let's stop for coffee. It's fine. We go in, we make our order, and Sydney's like, oh, they have crepes, you know? And, I, and uh, I'm like, yeah, but they're probably not gluten-free. And she's like, no, look, gluten-free. They're gluten <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, great, crepes, right? So uh, in the back of my mind, I'm like, we got to get going, we got to get going. And so they're kind of swamped still at the coffee shop, right? And so they're making our drinks. They finally get all our drinks made, and I see the two crepe machines in the back, and nobody is using them. They're both, like, clean, you know? And I'm like, I wonder when they're going to get to our crepes, you know, that kind of thing. And I start to hear the guys talking about, hey, there's, there's a crepe order. Somebody's got to go back and get the crepe. Okay, I'll get the crepe order. And so somebody goes back and they start making a crepe. And um, I realize like, oh, it's not the one that Sydney ordered. So I'm a little concerned. I'm like, did they make the wrong crepe? But it's actually a crepe for somebody else. And then he gets to Sydney's crepe, right? Which takes a while and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, like it's fun. We're having a great time connecting with each other. But again, in the back of my mind, I got to get home. I got to get back. I got to get back. Anyway, this kept happening, um, you know, much to my inward, mostly inward consternation. Um, and so we get back to the, finally we get, we, okay, let's, let's walk back. And we get back to the dorm. Uh, it's starting to get dark. It's getting late. Um, and, uh, and we say, okay, well, let's just leave from here. Reina, see ya. It was nice to, nice to see you. She goes, well, why don't you just come up? You know, just uh, see if you forgot anything in the dorm. And I'm like, okay, all right, so let's go up, let's go up to the dorm. Um, and we have this, we have a nice, it's a nice time, you know, like we're, we're connecting with each other, we're laughing with each other, um, we're telling stories, we're talking with each other, and then it's time to say goodbye. And so there's, you know, a couple tears, I won't say who, a couple tears, but we're hugging and we're saying goodbye and we're speaking these uh, words of affirmation, you know, to one another. But I'm like halfway down the hallway, right? I'm like, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. You guys ever been there? Sort of like something beautiful is happening, but I've got to be somewhere else, right? I've always got to be somewhere else. And this, this happens to me a lot. And I realized, I, I called Matt on my way home, and I was getting gas. I mean, then, then, then we start to leave, and I'm like, oh, the gas tank is empty. We've got to stop and get gas. And we pull into the first gas station, and it's like out of order. All the gas is out of order. I'm like, <laughs> pull into another gas station, and finally, okay, well, finally, we can get some gas. I called Matt. Um, I talked to him about a couple things, and... And I was just like, yeah, it's, we're getting going really late. It was like 9 o'clock. I don't know how late it was when we left, but um, it was late. And I was like, yeah, we're getting going really late. Everybody just wanted to keep hanging out. And, and Matt said something like, well, there's worse problems to have as a family. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's so true. 
there are worse problems to have than everybody wants to hang out. We all like each other a lot. There are worse problems to have. And I, I found I was able to enter into that, but, but I was also distracted from it for a lot of the time because I had to be somewhere else besides where this thing was happening. The connection, the beauty, the, the, the communion was happening right in front of me, and uh, I almost missed it. And this is part of a theme for me. Like one of the things I'm learning about the way that I have constructed my identity in relationship to other people in general, but with my family as well, is that I, ha- I have constructed my identity in such a way that I'm the one that knows how to do things. I can do things for you. I'm the one who has an answer for you. Does that make sense? Like, how do I relate to other people? I, I relate to them as the person who is competent to help them with their problem. And I've realized this contract for me has been a way for me to try to secure a sense of belonging with others. Communion. That part of the bad news, the lie that I've believed, is that I can't actually be in communion with other people. Instead, I have to negotiate a contract so that we can sort of mutually tolerate each other. You guys recognize this in your own relationships? We all do this, by the way. Sorry to burst your bubble if you think you don't do this. We all do this. And it's a way for us to be alone. Because we don't want to take the risk of entering into communion, really seeing one another, really being with one another, really accepting and and welcoming one another, really honoring each other and lifting each other up. We're so afraid that we're going to be rejected, that we, we don't show up in a vulnerable way for communion. We show up in a guarded way. We show up as competent. Yeah? Maybe uh, you, you've recognized there's other ways that we kind of show up to try to get people to cooperate with the vision that we have for what human community should look like. Maybe you use your anger to try to get other people to do what you want them to do. I've been guilty of this as a father. The kids aren't obeying, ramp it up a little bit. Ramp up the volume of the voice, right? What am I doing? I'm trying to get them to cooperate with my vision of how things should be right now. But in so doing, I, I step, I'm being alone. I'm stepping away from communion. I'm not stepping into that. Maybe uh, you use argument to overpower others with your intellect. Here's 18 reasons we should do this. Can you come up with 18 reasons we shouldn't? Well, then we're doing it. Yeah? Maybe you use flattery or praise of other people to try to get them to like, like you so that they'll be more amenable to doing what you want them to do. You guys recognize that, maybe? Maybe you try to impress others to manipulate them into thinking you're awesome and then maybe having your way. Maybe you never say no to other people in an effort to just make them like you. Maybe they'll say yes to you when you want something. In the midst of this mess that we all have in terms of how we try to navigate our relationships, though sin has stained these relationships and made us suspicious and fearful of one another so that we manipulate and use each other, it's not good for us to be alone. That state of affairs is not good for us. It's a way of being alone together and it doesn't work for us. It's not good for us to be alone. We are made for co-creation and communion with each other in God, feeling no shame. And in Christ, we're recreated as the church to be one body, welcoming and receiving each other. 
honoring and lifting each other up, working together, male and female, married and single, one body in Christ. That's what we're called to. So the text that we read, we read a lot of great texts, but uh, I'm going to focus on Genesis 2. The text that we read talks about this. It's, a, it's almost a second creation narrative. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I, n- I never noticed that until a few years ago, that it's Genesis 1 is like, here's one way of putting it. Genesis 2, it's almost like the, the, the title across the top should be, to put it another way. Here's another focus. It has different emphases. It has a different focus uh, to the creation narrative. And so we read it this morning. God shapes a human person, right? That the word that's translated Adam is actually a title. It's not a, it's not a name. It's a title. It's the man. It's the one from the soil. It's Adam from the Adama, the soil. So he takes Adam from the soil. He takes the human person out of the earth breathes into his nostrils and gives the human person, uh, uh, the human person becomes a living being. God plants then a garden. We didn't read all of this, but God plants a garden. He places the human in the garden. And a lot of what Matt proclaimed last week as good news uh, is here as well, where God invites his creature, his image bearer, to co-create with him, to order creation with him. And he says, I'm just going to bring you these animals, and what do you say this is? And whatever the man said it was, that's what it was. I just love the simplicity of that, where God is like, I don't know what this is. You say what this is. And he named it. Right? Do you think that'd be fun? I think it'd be fun. My kids, when they were younger, they, they tried to make up all kinds of different names. Ethan, when, uh, my oldest son, when we were having uh, our, uh, Raina, our, our, the next one in line, um, we asked, like, hey, what do you think we should name the baby? And he's just sitting there playing with his cars, and he just, off the top of his head, rattles off two, I don't know where they came from, just ideas for names. He goes, and he doesn't even look up, he's just playing with cars, and he goes, I don't know, Kaforka? <laughs> Chorno? Those were the names that he thought for Reina, so every, one, every once in a while I call Reina Chorno, you know, it's like, <laughs> put it another way. But uh, so he's, he's co-creating with the Lord, he, he's invited into this. Um, And in this passage, as he's doing the thing that God has created for him to do, um, the first not good happens in creation. Everything up until this point has been good, 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 very good. But here's something that's not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for the human person to be alone. So I will make, the Lord says, a helper suitable to him. We're going to get to that. Ladies, what that means in just a second. I will make a helper suitable to him. And uh, then he's talking about naming the animals. But the, the reason that the author puts it in there is almost to say, none of these are a helper suitable. Like an ox can pull, some, pull something heavy for you and help you plow your field, right? Uh, a little dog can give you some sense of you know, comfort and cuteness. But there's something missing. The human person doesn't have something that they need uh, in this situation, doesn't have a, a helper suitable, doesn't have someone like him. Uh, and so God puts the human being into a coma, basically, and then takes from, takes, uh, the trans, most translations say a rib, but really this word is like the side. From the side of the man, he fashions a woman and then wakes Adam up, closes the place with flesh, 
which is good. You know, I've heard that's great surgical technique. Uh, close it all up, you know, seal it up. And so he fashions a woman, and he brings the woman to the man. And, of course, the man has this epiphany, this recognition. Ah, this is bone of my bones, flesh from my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. And they were together and naked and felt no shame. That's the good news. We were created uh, for this. So this text, there's a few things that we have to talk about, though. Um, this text presents this beautiful picture of male and female together in mutuality and communion, doing the work of image bearers. That's what this text presents. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, naked and unashamed. Sometimes people try to make this text into a hierarchical text to say that this text is confirming and justifying males having authority over females. You guys ever heard that? Yeah? Okay. Once or twice. We can talk more about it on Tuesday, but sometimes people say, hey, you know, Adam was created first, you know, so, so he's supposed to have authority, but that kind of breaks down, right, in a lot of different ways, because in Genesis 1, there was a tons of stuff created before Adam, tons of stuff created before humans. And in the whole Old Testament... Like, when does the firstborn ever inherit anything? When does the firstborn get to be, you know, the patriarch? It's always the secondborn. It's Isaac over Ishmael. It's Jacob over Esau. It's Joseph instead of his brothers. God is consistently undoing the assumptions of that culture. So the sequential creation of man and woman here is not about hierarchy. It's not about what's most, who's most important and then who's less important who has more status and who has less. This is about the need that male and female have for each other. That's what it's about, not to justify an implicit hierarchy. Sometimes it's been said that the suitable helper, how many of you women, if you can be, be honest with me, if you can, how many of you women, when you read that, have had a negative reaction to it? Yes? I see a lot of nodding heads. I don't want to be a suitable helper. What is that all about, right? And what's, what's the image that we have of a suitable helper? A suitable helper is like a, an assistant, right? Like Alice from the Brady Bunch. Yeah, great. Like, uh, like somebody... <laughs> good, good example. That, that was oddly, like, top of mind for you. So, yeah. um, right? We think of an intern who goes and gets coffee for everybody else, right? We think of the housewife who, uh, you know, gets her husband a beer and, you know, while he watches TV and gives him a foot rub, right? Like, we, we have these images in our minds and we think, like, man, what was the Lord thinking when he created this, these suitable helpers, right? And I, I don't want to belittle interns who go and get coffee for everybody. That's, you know, something... I, we're not trying to belittle those occupations, um, but for so many women, this suitable helper title has, served, uh, title has served to limit what they can do with the gifts that God has given them. Uh, and that's just the helper part, right? The suitable part kind of gives us another picture that may, has made many women feel like their sole purpose is to assist men, right? That their sole purpose is in relation to something a man is doing. That's what suitable evokes for us. And if that's the case, you know, what about single people? Are you not a real person yet until you have a man to associate yourself with? 
right? That's the implication that we sometimes hear in this phrase. Um, But I want to proclaim good news to you, if I can, women. That's not what a suitable helper is. Um, In the Hebrew, it's called an Azar Kenegdo. I think I'm pronouncing that roughly correctly. Azar is the helper part. Kenegdo is the suitable part. And in uh, in the Old Testament, um, you know who else is called an Azar, a helper? God. Many times. God is the helper of Israel. God comes in His strength to deliver Israel, and He is called the helper. Does that give you a little different vision of what you are, women? I'm talking men, you're welcome to listen in, but I'm talking to the women right now. That's what God, has, that's what God proclaims over you. It's not a subservient position. It's a place of strength where you get to come and help. God himself is an Azar. When he is delivering and helping his people, he comes as their helper. So this this word helper is less assistant language, and it's more superhero language, if I can put it that way. It's God has come to save the day. He is our helper. And in this passage, it's interesting. What's that? He brought us coffee. Thank you. We've been needing some refreshment. So we can get back. No, the Lord, is, the Lord comes in His strength to help and do something for Israel that Israel can't do for herself. Yeah? It's interesting, in light of our current, the, the way that we normally think about, if you think about the stereotypes, gender stereotypes, right? Wh- who, who, what men are, what women are. Men are strong, capable. Women are, like we talked about, subservient, helpful, you know, nice. Just smile more. Anyway, you guys ever heard that? Um, I actually had two people to tell me to smile more uh, uh, yesterday, so it's kind of weird. So, so I, got, I, was, I was like, oh, this is maybe how women feel. when they, you know, Maybe not. So anyway, so, um, sorry, what was I saying? Oh, in light of our gender, in light of these gender stereotypes, it's interesting that in this passage, the man is depicted as having a need. He's lonely. The man is depicted as vulnerable, needing something, needing help. He doesn't have everything he needs. And the woman is depicted as the helper. The woman is depicted as the strength bringer. Isn't that interesting? I think that's interesting. So to be named Azar is not like, oh, well, this guy could use some help. Why don't we develop some subservient lemmings to help the man? No, it's strength. You're created in God's image and likeness. You're not someone who's unable to do any more than assist because of weakness, but someone who can help because they have passion, they have power, they have purpose, they have strength to offer. Okay? All right. So suitable then doesn't necessarily... So that's the helper. The connecto part, the suitable part, doesn't mean that you're only worthwhile in relationship to a man. It just means facing or corresponding to. So this is actually an image of equality. That even the, the, the woman being taken from the side of man is a sense that now humanity is multiple. Now humanity is together, working together towards uh, this common goal. It's, this, this is a place neither above nor below. Right? It's side by side. It's equal. We move together in these things. So this is what we were created for. And we, we affirm that. Like, no matter what your vocation is, no matter what your passion is, no matter what your calling is as a woman, 
Some of you stay home with the kids. Beautiful. That's where you get to express your strength. Some of you uh, don't have kids. Some of you may not want kids. You work out in the workplace. Beautiful. That's where you express your strength. Some of you have kids and need to work. You don't want to. Beautiful. Some of you have kids and love working. Beautiful. It's, 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 a, it's a place of strength. So we can talk more about that. I have a, I'd love to say more about it, but we need to move on. This is the good news, that though sin has stained our relationships and made us suspicious and fearful of one another, it's not good for us to be alone. God made us for co-creation. And I think women in general need to hear that. Co-creation. And made us for communion. Men in general need to hear that. Made us to connect with one another. And in Christ, we're recreated as the church to be one body, welcoming and receiving each other, honoring and lifting each other up, working together, male and female, married and single, one body in Christ. This is the picture that we see. Just a couple caveats, too. This isn't just about marriage. This passage is about marriage, but it's not just about marriage. Marriage here is meant to be an icon of communion for all of humanity. Jesus does some of this work in Matthew 19, right, where he relativizes marriage. Interesting. This would have been shocking to people. The disciples are like, oh my gosh, like, it's better not to get married if we can't just divorce our wives whenever we want, <laughs> right? Typical, uh, right? So that, that's, what he sa- that's what he says, but what, what does Jesus say? Actually, that's an option for you. You can be single in the kingdom. I mean, it's worth remembering Jesus was a eunuch. Jesus was a celibate single person who started the church right? I can't get into it. I would love to, but we need to move on. But I just want to say that singleness is okay in the church. You're not a second-class citizen if you're single. We have so idolized marriage and family, and it doesn't need to be that way because the kingdom does not grow through biological, like we don't collect children and the kingdom grows. The kingdom grows through witness and conversion. It's a big reason why we do confirmation, not just infant baptism, yeah, on November 18th. So uh, marriage is a picture of human communion. It's not the pinnacle, okay? Marriage and kids is not the highest form of existence for the church. Also this, uh, friendship can be male and female. We can get into more of this, but friendship can be male and female, not just marriage. Women, you can be friends with men. That's okay. Men, you can be friends with women. That's okay. That's part of the communion that God has designed. It's important not to confuse those things. Marriage is not friendship. Friendship is not marriage. They're different. They overlap a little bit. It's important to maintain the distinction. But there is a beauty, I think, that we're missing in the church because we've been so scared of inappropriate relationships. We've been so scared of false accusations. You guys know what I'm talking about? We've been so scared of what might go wrong that we have forfeited the gift that could come to our whole church if we were just open to the fact that men and women can be friends. We can talk more about that Tuesday. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So I want to just be unambiguous uh, before we dive into um, our response time here. If you are single and want to stay that way, you are not a second-class citizen here. If you are single and want to get married, you are not a second-class citizen here. If you are married and your marriage is in trouble, you are not a second-class citizen here. If you are divorced, you are not a second-class citizen here. If you can't have kids, 
you're not a second-class citizen here. If your spouse doesn't come with you to church for whatever reason, you are not a second-class citizen here. That's not what this passage is about. We're learning together, folks, how to break down these hierarchies that our culture sets up. This is what Paul is doing in Galatians. The hierarchies that the culture sets up that just says, well, this is just how life is. Jews over Gentiles, male over female, free over slave. Paul breaks all of it down, and he's following Jesus in doing so. He says, no, that's not it. You're a new creation. You don't function by the old rules. You don't function by the rules of the world around you. You're the church. You're my body. And all of you together, if you've been baptized into Christ, you've been clothed with Christ. All of you together, Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, all of you are one body in Christ. Amen? Though sin has stained our relationships. It's made us suspicious and fearful of one another so that we are tempted to manipulate and use each other. It's not good for us to be alone. We were made for co-creation, communion with each other in God, feeling no shame. And in Christ, we're recreated as the church into one body, welcoming and receiving each other, honoring and lifting each other up, working together, male and female, married and single, one body in Christ. That's our call. Amen? Okay. So let's respond together. Some of you may need to lean into co-creation. Some of you may need to lean into the fact that you have something to offer. Embrace your strength. Offer your gifts. Maybe you're a woman who has been told all your life that it's not okay for you to have that opinion. It's not okay for you to be passionate about that. It's not okay for you to lead in this area. Part of the prayer of response is to embrace your call to co-create as a member of the body of Christ. And the prayer of response is in your booklet there. Um, But some of us may need to lean lean more into communion. This is me. To embrace vulnerability, to embrace weakness, to offer presence and support, to connect and not be so concerned about accomplishing. So that's that's me. And part part of the way that I'm responding to this good news is learning to be this way in my own family learning to subvert the script that, that I believe that says I, I need to be the answer guy. I need to be the person who knows how to fix things. Instead, to be willing to just connect and see and embrace. To hang out at Purdue until it's a little bit too late and think, my sermon will probably be okay. It'll be a little long. It always is. Sorry, but it'll probably be okay. So uh, let's pray together uh, as we as we as we begin to respond here. We're going to respond at the table, of course, as well. But just uh, pray this prayer out loud um, as you feel led. I'll, I'll start us.